Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. And a pleasant Saturday. Good afternoon to everybody here or Saturday morning or Saturday evening or Sunday evening, depending on where you are. We are getting started here with the Vault Classic Music Reviews. Thank you all for joining me here this afternoon. I appreciate everything and all the good feedback that you all have given us. Figured I'd go ahead and start a live broadcast today because, heck, why not? Everybody's underneath COVID-19, the quarantine shutdown and everything else. Going to give you a live show. And what better time to debut a segment than to actually go live right now and debut my segment, Tale of the Tape. Yes, Tale of the Tape featuring uh, two artists that we put head-to-head up against each other, two artists, two groups, whoever, putting them up head-to-head against each other and seeing whose catalog is better. And so our first Tale of the Tape that we have lined up, of course, is, as I've put up throughout the week, is Outcast versus A Tribe Called Quest. And these are two of my favorite rap groups of all time. And I enjoy uh, listening to their music. And I believe their catalogs are fairly hard for me to be able to describe whose is best. So I've just come up with a solution to be able to figure out how we can do that. And of course, you're listening to the Vault Classic Music Reviews, Tale of the Tape. We are live right now, live on Podbean, live on Facebook, and also live on Instagram. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we just want to be able to get into it and uh, thank everyone for coming on and joining us for this tale of the tape that we're about to take place right here now on this Saturday afternoon. want to give a big shout out to all the listeners out there, everybody internationally, as well as everyone in the United States. A lot of big listenership in California, also in Colorado, the Carolinas, Virginia. Also, big shout out to my listeners in Michigan, Georgia, Florida. Massachusetts, internationally, Australia, France, Italy, Spain, the Netherlands, Brazil, Colombia, a lot of different other places worldwide, Japan, Korea, Thailand have all checked into the vault. So thank you all for definitely supporting the show. I can't imagine all the things that have happened over this very short time that we started this show since things have gotten going. So hope everyone is safe, that you're healthy, that you're washing your hands and social distancing and doing all the responsible stuff with this COVID-19 outbreak. And go ahead and let's get settled in. And we got some live content for you here this Saturday. Now, tale of the tape. And we'll just check to see who's coming in, see a few people have stepped in. No more people are going to be coming in later. Tale of the tape. This is a segment, of course, like we said, we compare artists and groups catalogs, put them up head to head, and we figure out who's better. So how do we figure out who's better? Well, I'll tell you how we figure out who's better. We do scoring and criteria. So premise is that we match up the catalogs or discographies and treat each respective album as a head-to-head matchup. So what I mean is your first album versus first album, second album versus second album, third album versus third album, and so on. And we treat it like a boxing round. For example, you put one matchup in round one, you put two debut albums, first albums up against each other. If you think one has has the edge over the other, you score it 10-9, just like a boxing round. Now, if you feel in a matchup that one album is significantly better than the other, then what you do is you score a 10-8 or a 10-7 round as if you had a knockdown. And, and at the end of all the rounds, we tally everything up, 
give our scores and determine whoever the winner is by all of the counts. Now, the criteria which we're judging this by are by the following metrics. Themes, lyricism and lyrics, production, quality of original content, replayability, overall album production, mixing, track sequencing, things of that nature, amounts of skips or mediocre tracks, and then, of course, it's classic rating, which, as you know, in the Vault Classic Music Reviews, we do hashtag nothing but the classics all the time. So, for this first tale of the tape, we are doing the Trap Call Quest versus Outcast, and we have six rounds, so we'll get into it. Round one is People Instinctives Travels in Their Patch of Rhythms, our Trap Calls Quest, First album versus Outcast first album, Southern Playlist to Cadillac Music. Round two, The Low End Theory versus AT Aliens. Round three, Midnight Marauders versus Aquemni. Round four, Beats, Rhymes, and Life versus Stanconia. And round five, The Love Movement versus Speaker Box Love Below. In the last round, round six, we got it from here. Thank you for your service versus Idlewild. The key is that each round strictly compared to each album against its competing album, taking none of the other groups work into consideration and scoring the round strictly head-to-head, and that's how we'll do things here on The Vault. And I'm going to have a lot of fun doing this. I want to be glad to see some of the interaction that we'll have with a lot of people here and uh, just want to check in, of course, on the lives. We got my bro Kimani checking in from Vermont. What's up, bro? Thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, one of my college classes, Anehi, um, checking in as well thank you for joining us if you see a few other people in here and uh we're gonna go ahead and get started now for everybody who's checking in on the Podbean interactive app you can actually check this out and this is where you'll hear the instrumentals in the background where some of the things that you're on live on facebook or on ig you will not hear this stuff so i encourage everyone while you're on facebook and ig to sort of go click on that link on Podbean to go to Podbean live and you'll hear some of the stuff in the background and we're going to go ahead and get started by getting you some background music because that's what we do here on the vault and there we go all right so we're starting this tale of the tape and getting everything started right now national anthem's been sung the ref is given the rules the fighters have touched gloves and we're starting round one so round one tribe call quest First album, debut album, People's Instinctive Travels and Their Patches of Rhythms versus Southern Playlist, the Cadillac Music of Outcasts. Give you the particulars on both of the albums. Release date for Tribe's album, April 10th, 1990. Runtime of 64 minutes and 15 seconds. Southern Playlistic, Cadillac Music released April 26th, 1994. Runtime of about just over 70 minutes. So now we start getting into it standout tracks so the standout tracks that we have here for people's instinctive travels in their patch of rhythms standout tracks you know them well i left my wallet in el segundo cannot kick it benita applebaum after hours push it along and for southern playlist of cadillac music standout tracks that we have there you know those well as well players ball southern playlist of cadillac music get up get out one of my personal favorites, and if you heard our podcast on Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music last year, is Funky Ride, and that is a cosmic experience, to say the least. And then one of my favorites as well on there is Crumbling Herb. But these are just the standout tracks. They're not the end-all, be-all tracks. 
by any means. There are plenty of bangers and great tracks on both of these albums, of course. So now we're going to go into comparing them. Now, Tribe's first album released, this is right upon, uh, right of the outside of the 80s, beginning in the beginning of the decade, uh, the Tribe Call Quest, part of the Native Tongues Collective, uh, along with the Jungle Brothers, along with De La Soul, along with Queen Latifah, Monly Love. And uh, this was their first album. They took their step out, signed to Jive Records. And this was something that was deemed a classic by the source. Um, very innovative. And I wrote this down with the pros and cons. It was very innovative, had a very chill ambiance, kind of f- followed the same blueprint that the Jungle Brothers did and also De La Soul did with Three Feet High and Rising. Very thoughtful mood and themes. Uh, you hear that throughout the album a lot. Um, it was groundbreaking, breaking and transcending. You'll hear a lot of people talk about this album in particular, and you'll hear a lot of them talk about how, you know, uh, Pharrell himself will talk about when he first heard this album, this is what really turned him on to become a fan of Tribe and it influenced him a lot in his production methods. Uh, for me, though, listening to this, and I do think this is a classic album, but to me, there's not enough co- collaboration from the rest of the group. I mean, you, you know, when you're going to, when you get a Tribe Called Quest for most of it, you get mostly just Q-Tip and then also from Fife Dog, may he rest in peace. But this was in the beginning of their careers when uh, Jairobi White, who was the original member of Tribe Called Quest, was also there as well. I didn't get enough collaboration from either one of them. It kind of felt like a lot of it was very heavy Q-Tip. And, you know, he's very involved in the production side. When it comes to the direction of things of Tribe Called Quest, you're going to get that. But to me, I just thought it was just uh, just a little bit too much. Now, in terms of Southern Playlist and Cadillac Music, we can talk about how important this album is. I mean, as I said on the podcast, it was innovative. It was groundbreaking and trendsetting, just like Tribe's album was. But the great thing that you saw about this with Outkast is that they had innovative lyricism, um, just great production throughout instrumentation. And for those of you who saw the documentary of the art of organized noise which told the stories about or- the organized noise and their exploits with the dungeon family you saw that many of the things they did with that first outcast album is a lot of live instrumentation they had great musicians playing in the uh, studio with them not a lot of samples on that very first outcast uh, album contrary to what people may believe i mean they had great bass and guitar players like lamarck jefferson and preston crump uh, keys players like Chance Parkman, and then they had a great producer who was great at sequencing and also using things like the SP-1200 to help produce this, and Ray Murray, who was a member of Organized Noise. Uh, it was really the first time we got a big glimpse into life in the South, and they talked about that a lot on the documentary and the art of Organized Noise, but you saw it a lot in Southern Playalistic. I mean, it was... um. It really was the first time that we got a chance to get an up-close look at Life in the South and in Atlanta. And uh, to me, this is the album that set the standard as far as putting Atlanta on the map. And then there were hip-hop acts that were that had been in Atlanta long before Outkast came along. But nobody came, nobody actually put them on a standard as far as having bars, like lyrics. I mean, Big Boy and Andre had lyrics. And the things that they were talking about, the things they talked about when it came to stuff as far as like diet and then life in the South, gentrification, which was starting in Atlanta right before the right before the Olympics went to Atlanta. You could see how things were started changing and they started to talk about that in their rhymes. When they did that, though, they really put Atlanta on the map and organized noise was a big part of being able to do that. 
it was groundbreaking breaking and trendsetting. Now, the only comment I can really come up with this album is that it was a little bit unfamiliar. So people didn't really know Outkast, especially the cats who were further up north. And you hear this when you read about Southern Playlistic and Outkast is that people in New York thought that, you know, they were a bunch of Bamas and they were country and, oh, don't nobody want to hear that shit, you know. And it was a little bit unfamiliar. But when you get into the meat of the album, you understand and know just how talented all these guys are. So that was really the only con. But if that's the only con, then it's a good thing. Again, both of these albums are incredible albums. I mean, and it's just like it's a it's a sound. And thank you to my man, my brother, Chris Childs, a.k.a. In Your Face, one of the dopest MCs that I've personally come in contact with. He's the reason why I got started rapping in the first place. My by the way, says the outcast came with a sound that no one had heard before. And you know what? You're right. No one had heard that sound before. That type of sound that organized noise crafted in that studio and came out with something playlistic. That was a sound that no one had ever heard before. So they get props for doing that man because no one else did it they did it unlike like like no one else did before and both of these albums are incredible though man I, I really have to say that and man it's it's when you had to going to compare the two of these is kind of hard for me though because they came at pretty much a kind of two different two different eras you can say this is in the early 90s for Tribe Called Quest and right around the start of the mid-90s for Outkast. But this is a matchup that we're doing, right? We're calling this tale of the tape. So we got we to score the round. So taking everything into consideration, we've looked at the matchup, looked at the standout songs. All the standout songs are great. You look at all the classics that are on both of these albums. Between Benita Applebaum which was, oh, one of the chillest tracks of all time. Can I kick it? I mean, that's being used nowadays as on, for rappers that are still using that nowadays on stage because, you know, it was a really, really dope track. Um, I left my wallet in El Segundo. Play his ball. Everybody knows how big of a track that was when it came out. It was a Christmas song. A lot of people don't, under, don't, don't remember that, but my heads out there who were old enough to remember know that. Southern Playalistic, Get Up, Get Out, which I said to me is still probably in my top three outcast, favorite outcast songs of all time. And Funky Rod, just really, really great sonic quality on both of these. However, if I have to rank everything, I would have to say this. And putting these up head to head, I have to give the edge to outcast. Yes, Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music gets the nod in the first round here for me in a 10-9 round. And I say that because as far as debuts were concerned, I just felt like this was a better debut. And head to head, I listened to Southern Playlist of Cadillac music much more than I've listened to People's Instinctive Travels and their Paths of Rhythms. Now, they're both phenomenal albums. But to me, I'm giving round one to 10-9 to Outkast, Southern Playlist of Cadillac music. So they ran round one. They're up 10 to 9 so we're starting right there with Tale of the Tape. Interested to hear to see what y'all have. Of course, make sure you're going into the Podbean Live and you are checking in with us on Podbean Live and then also on IG and Facebook as well. Make sure you're looking and checking in on live, seeing a few people there on Facebook, a few people there on IG. Make sure y'all still check in. So first round, if you missed it, we have gone through the first round. It was People Instinctive Travels and their Packs of Rhythms on round one versus Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music, and we're giving the first round to Outcast 10-9. Now, moving on to the second round. Round two pits the low-end theory versus AT Aliens. 
<laughs> two incredible sophomore albums. Probably, in my opinion, two of the best sophomore albums that have come out. And I could say a lot about both of these because I remember both of these very, very vividly. So the particulars on both the low end theory and ATL and we'll start with tribe release date, September 24th, 1991 runtime of 48 minutes and five seconds for ATL It was released in August 26th, excuse me, August 27th, 1996 with a runtime of 57 minutes and 23 seconds. Standout tracks for low end theory, Really the whole joint, but since we're doing standout tracks, we're going to go with just a few. Hot Sex on the Platter, you know that well. Check the Rhyme, Jazz, we got it. Show Business is another one. And of course, one of the biggest standout tracks, and to me, one of the best posse cuts in hip-hop history is Scenario. And I know everyone will remember Scenario from, mainly from everybody's verse, but from Fife's lead-off verse and Busta Rhymes' closeout verse. Legendary, legendary. Standout tracks from AT Aliens. We have Elevators, of course, which you hear here in my background. AT Aliens, Jazzy Bell, Two Dope Boys in a Cadillac, which is one of my favorite outside cast songs as well. And another one that I love as well was Babylon. I love the hook on that song. Uh, the, the R&B chorus um, really kind of made things sort of melt together. Pros for the low end theory, it's tons of them. First of all, the biggest pro for me on this one is the fact that you get increased particip participation from Fife Dog. The story comes along and says that after a while that Fife uh, had just gotten his diabetes diagnosis and was sort of considering quitting the group. But Q-Tip actually encouraged him to be a little more involved on the next track, on the next album, and he stepped up his participation. And thank goodness that he did. Because, my gosh, Five Dogs increased participation to me is what took Tribe over the top. Once you saw it just wasn't Q-Tip and then a couple of verses from Fife on a whole album, this is really what got everything right over the top for me. That's really what brought everything together. Uh, the production on the low-end theory and, you know, the low-end meaning bass. Um, great samples, great bass tones, uh, just awesome, awesome samples that you see on there. Um, the themes that they use on there, I mean, some of the things, some of the, you know, themes that you see that are available uh, when they talk about, you know, you know, typical date rape, they talked about date, uh, about date rape, they talked about um, the industry and show business promoters, and uh, just great lyricism over all in all great guest spots, Lord Jamar, Sadat X, uh, you know, the whole leaders of the new school, everybody's on there. It really just kind of made everything come together. This second album, though, this is a second album from Tribe Called Quest that I could put up against almost any, about 97 to 98% of the second sophomore albums, I'll put this up against and it crushes it no matter what. Now, as far as AT Aliens, the one thing that I have as far as pros, is that, as far as they're concerned, is that you saw evolution from their debut. Uh, you saw improved lyricism. I thought they spit a lot better on AT Aliens as opposed to Southern Playalistic. They weren't whack on Southern Playalistic, but here you could see that bar start to get raised, especially with Andre 3000 and especially with Big Boy. Uh, you saw a shift in their demeanor. They were, you know, had that sort of demeanor of that whole Playalistic, Southern Playalistic sort of, you know, lifestyle. You start to see the shift in the demeanor and mostly Andre because 
he had gone through some changes. He had become a vegetarian. He stopped eating meat, stopped smoking weed. And uh, you start to see as far as him starting to get a lot deeper into his thought process. And you saw some growth from Big Boy as well. Uh, and then, of course, they took on a lot of the increased production load with some of the playlistic there, too. So you saw a lot of their influence. They started to ex extend their artistic influence on this album, too. As far as cons for both of them, none, none at all. I mean, this is um, these are two incredible pieces of work. And uh, like I said, two of the best sophomore albums that I've seen out there in quite some time. So this is Tale of the Tape. We are looking, of course, at a Tribe Called Quest versus Outcast, taking their catalogs and putting them up against each other. And we're just taking a look to see how everything looks. Now, as far as scoring it, well, this is going to be a little bit surprising to some of you out there. And I'll tell you why. Now, these are two great albums. I mentioned two of the best sophomore albums I've come across with, come across. But to me, when it comes to putting these two up head to head, this is an overwhelming victory for me for Tribe and Low End Theory over AT Aliens. I think while AT Aliens is an incredible record, I do think that historically the Low End Theory has been an album that has been lauded and universally acclaimed. And not only that, it just bumps so damn hard, even now, almost 30 years after it came out. So for me, I scored this round a 10-8 round. Yes, that's right. I scored it a 10-8 round in, in advantage of Tribe Call Quest and the low-end theory over AT Aliens. Now, I know I may get some backlash from some of you out there, but I got to say that I love this. I love, love the low-end theory. 98%. Of any sophomore albums out there, the low end theory crushes it. And not to say the AT Aliens isn't an incredible piece of work, it is, but it's the low end theory, man. And anybody, any of y'all who are trap fans or even hip hop fans out there, y'all know just how critical this album was. I mean, it is, it is ridiculous, man. And it really set the table for what Tribe would continue to do for the rest of the decade, man, um, heading into the rest of their catalog. So, Round number two between the low-end theory and AT Aliens goes to Tribe Called Quest. We're giving it to the low-end theory, a 10-8 round. So that means that Outcast is now up 19 to 17, I believe, after the end of round two. Love to hear what you guys think about that. That's just my opinion, of course. I love to see the interaction. We're live on IG and also live on Facebook, and we are in the Podbean Live. Make sure that you go check out the Podbean Live. Click on the link. And you'll be able to get into there. I'm, I'm able to check out and do some live calls as well as live chat. So please make sure you go in there and check us out. We love to chat with some of you all, see what you got to say in regards to this tale of the tape. Hmm. So we're going to take a little pause. I'm actually going to take a pause and also take a drink as well. And for those of you who are out there with your wine or your drink or anything else, please make sure to drink. And if you're going to drink, drink responsibly and hydrate. You know, as we go ahead and switch tracks, see, I'm doing many different functions here. I have to play DJ and I also have to do the boards and I'm monitoring my levels and everything else. So I got a little bit of everything to do. And on cue <laughs> for round number three comes this track. And for those of you who are listening to Podbean Live, you can hear it. Um, this is a track, of course, from Outcast's third album. Round number three takes Midnight Marauders from a Tribe Called Quest versus Aquemini from Outcast. <laughs> oh, boy. 
So for those of you who remember any classic fights, if you remember any classic boxing match, you could think of the 12th round. Yeah, Hagler-Hearns, uh, ha- not Hagler-Hearns, Hagler-Leonard in the 12th round. Any late round where you see something going, this is a slugfest right here. Because to me, in my opinion, this is the best for best. The best album versus the best album. Now, a lot of you Tribe fans who are out there listening to me like, hold on, you mean to tell me you think that Midnight Marauders is better than Low End Theory? I actually do. And yes, I think Equimini is, is Outcast's best album. But this is going to be tough. So we'll get right into round three. Midnight Marauders versus Equemni. Particulars on both album. Midnight Marauders released November 9th, 1993. Runtime of 51 minutes and 12 seconds. Equemni released September 29th, 1998. With a runtime of 74 minutes and 47 seconds. To go through first with Midnight Marauders and the standout tracks and the pros. <laughs> I'm going to run down a laundry list of these standout tracks. And of course, the whole album's a standout. That's just my opinion. But start with standout tracks, award tour, electric relaxation, oh my God, lyrics to go, stir it up. And one of my personal favorites, God Lives Through, which is the last track on that album. Man. So from listening to this from the low end theory to going to Midnight Marauders, this is an awesome album because of the concepts that you hear there and the evolution that you get from there and going into prose, the evolution that you get from there from low end theory to this is incredible. The great, the production on here is a one and spot on the sampling that was used here was great. On this album, you have many landmark songs that any tribe called quest fan or hip hop fan would be able to tell you within a matter of minutes. Matter of fact, if you were ask any hip-hop fan or Tribe Called Quest friend a quick, name me two songs from a Tribe Called Quest. A war tour and electric relaxation are right up there. They are right up there. And then that doesn't even go into the deep album cuts. You start getting into stuff like, oh my God, and lyrics to go. And then stir it up. AKA Steve Biko, tribute to Steve Biko. And then God Lives Through, which is uh, takes actually a sample from Oh My God, the Busta Rhymes hook from Oh My God. I mean, it is awesome. And when you have tracks like that and then some deep album cuts, even talking about things like Sucker Nigga and 8 Million Stories and The Chase, you start getting into an album that has an incredible amount of depth. And for an tr- album that's only 13, 14 tracks, that is, um, that's hard to do, man. And it's, but the, it speaks to the quality that they had. Now, to go on to Equemni, and this is another one that's just like, I have a very hard time. The Parks, Skewed on the Barbecue, The Art of Storytelling, Part 1 and Part 2, the track that you're hearing right now if you're on Podbean Live, Equemni, and then, of course, Spody Odie Dopealicious. <laughs> which is one of the greatest chill songs, greatest relax, drink something, smoke something songs of all time. And then another standout track, Return of the Gangster, which is the second track that was on that album as well. Just incredible tracks, man. To me, this is Outkast in their top form. Together, as a unit, it's them in their top form. The creativity on this album is out of this world. 
it's a mix. It's a mix of the best, I think, to me, of what they had from both Southern Playalistic and also from ATL, ATLians. It's like they took the best from both of them, put it up into a ball, squished it up, and said, "Here, here's a Quemini." That's exactly what I thought they got. I think the themes and some of the creative process that they took from both of those albums, both of those albums, they took that and then they put it into a Quemini. They have impeccable chemistry on this, Big Boy and Andre, but not only that, but the production on this is great. A lot of stuff done by by Andre 3000, by Big Boy, by Mr. DJ, by Organized Noise, of course. And what you get through this is almost 75 minutes of pure bliss. Just awesome, awesome hip-hop. And the cons for both of these albums... I mean, let's be honest, there are none for either one of them. Again, this is just speaking about the quality that we have for uh, for both of these albums. So to me, like I said, I think this is best versus best. I think this is Tribe's best album versus Outkast's best album. Midnight Marauders versus Aquamni. And when you do stuff like that, it makes it really hard. I mean, it's almost indistinguishable of being able to find a way to distinguish these two albums from each other. It's hard. It's really hard. So I'm seeing, taking a look here, of course, at our feeds, just seeing who's still joining us. And of course, we're joining, we're live on IG, live on Facebook, and also live in Podbean Live, if you see the link on all of our social media sites. So we want to make sure that you all are checking in with us and seeing what you go. But I'm interested to see from everybody who's here to see what they say about if you were to pick a difference, can you pick a difference between what you like, what, what is better? Well, what you like is one thing, but what do you like better between Midnight Marauders and Equemni? Two incredible classic albums in their own right. So you can go ahead, chat, type in the chat box. Let me know what it is that you think is the better album. And I'll get into it very shortly to let you know what it is that I discussed. And we can, I'll let you know. And some people may be disappointed in me, but you know, this is the way that the game goes. So go ahead, type your answers in. Uh, go ahead, put it in on live, and we'll uh, check what your responses. I'll read some responses here very shortly. But Tale of the Tape, round three, Midnight Marauders, and Equemni. So how I scored it. It's kind of like you get into a classic boxing match and you have no distinguishable way to figure out who a winner is. like. You even have to go to the stats and look at the stats to see if the stats tell you a story to see if there's any distinguishable difference. Yeah, but the stat, what if the stats are even though, right? Like what if they each landed the same amount of punches, same flurries and everything else, and you end this end the round. I'm sorry, guys. I know this is a little bit of a of a cop out, but I got it as a push. <laughs> I have it as a push, man. I cannot declare a winner of this round. I cannot. To me, when you put best against best, it's almost impossible for me personally to distinguish a winner between the two of them. And I'm not trying to talk about favorite, what I like more versus the other, because I have a favorite, but trying to figure out which one is better, taking the bias out of it, taking everything else out of it as well, which one is better. I I can't say it. I have no way of figuring out. I cannot figure out 
between Midnight Marauders and the Quemni as far as which one bar none is better. And you know what? If you were to ask me this question on 10 days, I could talk to you and I would give you probably five answers one way on five days and five answers the other way on five other days. So as to recap, I have this as a push. So it's a 10-10 round for both of them. I cannot declare a winner because if things are so close and there's no distinguishable difference as far as how I can tell which one is better. Now that speaks to how much better, how much, how good both of these albums are, how great both of these albums are, by the way. So it's a 10-10 round. So which means that Tribe now is uh, still, is now ahead 29 to 27. Just going to take a little pause, and before we get into round four, uh, this is where I actually think that the bout actually changes. This is where I think that things take a little bit of turn, take a little bit of a turn, and where I think the scale starts to shift a little bit, and I'll explain that in just a second. After Midnight Marauders, both uh, Tribe Call Quest. Each of their members took a hiatus. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ali Shaheed Muhammad left to uh, do some production work. He actually famously did a production work on D'Angelo's Brown Sugar. He helped produce the title track. Q-Tip was producing tracks for uh, Nas, was also doing tracks for Biggie, a lot of different other uh, acts. He was doing a lot of producing. And Five Dog was exploring doing some solo work and then also was getting into doing some sports writing as well. Uh, he did stuff for like, I think it was like Slam Magazine, um, also was working on what would become the source sports as well. Everybody knows by Fife's crazy references, he was a big, big sports fan. Uh, then they came back with their fourth album for Beats, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, and things had changed a little bit because there was a new addition into the trial production family by a gentleman known by James David Yancey, a.k.a. J.D., a.k.a. J. Dilla. And he, along with Ali Shaheed Muhammad and Q-Tip, formed what we now know as the Uma, who handled the production on Beats, Rhymes, and Life. But there were some things that were going on in the background in regards to uh, the chemistry and the cohesiveness of Beats, Rhymes, and Life that made it the way that it was. And to me, like I said in round four, this is actually where the tables turn. And this is where I think that everything uh, sort of takes a new turn, this tale of the tape. So Beats, Rhyme, and Life versus Outkast, Stankonia. Particulars on both of the albums. Release date, July 30th, 1996 for Beats, Rhymes, and Life. A runtime of 51 minutes and 18 seconds. Stankonia released October 31st, 2000 on Halloween in the year 2000. A runtime of 73 minutes, 18 seconds. Going to the standout tracks in the pro, starting with Beats, Rhymes, and Life, they had standout tracks once again, which featured Tammy Lucas, Stressed Out, which fe featured Consequence, uh, Keep It Moving, which was another track, track number 10 on that album, The Hop, and then also the track Get a Hold, which was track number two. To me, as far as Beats, Rhymes, and Life is concerned, I felt like it had a different feel in production. And I think a lot of that had to do with JD's influence and Dilla's influence with the Uma. Uh, it felt a little bit different. So it felt uh, a, a distinct difference from what you saw from beat from midnight Marauders and also from low end theory. It was very laid back to me um, almost to the point where it was too laid back, but there were good guest spots and you saw guest spots where 
there you saw consequences was actually one of the first tracks the consequence was actually on tammy lucas and then faith evans was also featuring on stressed out as well so there were some good guest spots that featured here on beats rhymes and life as far as stanconia is concerned standout tracks there you know a lot of those well as well bombs over baghdad miss miss jackson so fresh and so clean gangsta shit red velvet and then one of my favorites that last track on stanconia the Stankonia track, a.k.a. Stank Love. For me, this continued the evolution of Big Boy and Andre 3000. And the tracks on here were half produced mostly by Earth, what they called Earth Tone 3, made up to Andre 3000, Big Boy, and Mr. DJ. And um, to me, I think it's more so their creative control had, create, had increased and they started to explore things and they explored the themes on this album Again, you always get some very deep and heavy things along with the entertaining stuff you get from Outkast albums. So that's one thing to sort of keep in mind. The radio hits on here were some smash radio hits. Bombs Over Baghdad was a huge, as along with it being an incredible track, it was a huge, huge, huge hit on the radio, as was Miss Jackson, which was a number one video, actually, a video and also a number one track on the Billboard 100. And so fresh and so clean was a, a standout track as well. But when you start getting into the intricacies of this matchup, to me, what stands out is are the deep album cuts on each one of these albums. And I think that's where things sort of come apart. And that's where I think you get the separation in terms of these albums. So to me, when it comes to judging this and giving the advantage, <sighs> I have to give this to Stanconia and not to say the beats rhymes in life is a bad album. Cause it's a good album, but you could see that things were sort of were off. You could tell that chemistry was starting to come apart. And Fife talked about this when they said about when they came to make beats rhymes in life, by this time he had moved to Atlanta and uh, he, when he was coming in to record, he would come in and record and the studio session would be canceled and nobody told him, or he would come in and record and tip and, Ali Shahi Muhammad wouldn't be there. And he felt like he said he wasn't a part of anything anymore. Um, you also felt because, you know, Tip had converted to Islam and um, as did Ali Shahi Muhammad, he felt like, you know, and he didn't, he kind of felt like he was being sort of cast to the side. And he also felt there was some tension from the app, from the record label as well with Jive. So you can sort of tell that in this album, it's a good album, but if I have to score this round, I got to give it to Outkast and Stankonia and score it 10-9 for Stankonia um, over Beats Rhymes in Life. So now we're looking at it. We're going to tighten up the score. It's going to make it now, I believe it's 39-38 uh, to 38 for Outkast. And we pause and look into round number five. Just a reminder for everybody on the show, we are live on Podbean Live. And then also live on Facebook Live and also on Instagram Live as well. Make sure you're going into there, interact with us. We love to be able to interact with you all and also love to see some chat comments in there as well. So as we move into round number five, this is where I think things start to change again as well as we get into uh, this, fifth, this fifth round. So for me, I think uh, this is where things really come apart at the seams for Trap Call Quest, and they start to pick up again with Outcast. And round number five actually pits 
the Love Movement by Tribe Called Quest against the Speaker Box Love Below by Outkast. And uh, ironically enough, the Love Movement was actually released on September 29th, 1998, the same day that Outkast Equimini came out. Now, if you're tribe, that's you just, that's got to be a hell of a coincidence for you all to release your albums on the same day and for your album to be overshadowed by such a brilliant masterpiece by Outkast. But the Love Movement, release date September 29th, 1998, with a runtime of 48 minutes and 10 seconds. Speaker box, uh, speaker box Love Below released September 23rd, 2003. A double disc, mind you. Speaker box featuring primarily Big Boy. Love Below featuring primarily Andre 3000. A total runtime of the speaker box Love Below of 134, 134 minutes and 44 seconds. The standout tracks on the Love Movement, their single Find a Way, and then of course, Like It Like That. And then stepping it up, and then Rock Rock Y'all. Rock Rock Y'all is the last track on the album, or one of the last tracks on the album, with uh, Wordsworth, uh, Punchline, Jane Doe, and Mo Steff. Um, to get into the pros here, I thought it had great guest spots. But as far as the cons are concerned, I just sort of felt that the cohesion was completely off by the time this album came around. I think the Love Movement is a good album. But I think that at this point, when you know that they were getting close to the end, and you could tell that there were fractures in the relationship between Tribe Called Quest. And for those who know and seen the documentary of Beats, Rhymes, and Life that was done in 2012, you know exactly what was happening. Uh, so it kind of felt like this album was sort of hurried along. And it's unfortunate because I thought this album had some potential, but it felt a little uneven to me. You could definitely tell that the end was near. And that is was a sad thing for anybody who was a Tribe fan because you felt like, they had a lot more in them to give. It wasn't just, you know, they had a lot more that they could do. On the flip side with the speaker box and the love below, well, the standout tracks for there, you know them, a lot of them. The Way You Move, which was on speaker box, Hey Ya, which was on the love below, Ghetto Music on speaker box, as well as Church was on speaker box, and as well as Bowtie and Bus. And then from the love below, you also had Roses, Prototype, and also happy and, and also the track Happy Valentine's Day. Now, this sort of featured this album sort of featured the duality between the two of them. You saw it on Aquam, on Aquamni, Big Boys of the Aquarius, Dre's of the Gemini. You see it again here in the differences of their style. Speaker box, very funky, very bass driven. What you sort of expect to get out of Big Boy, you know, and what you expect the Outcast record, Down South record to sound like. Conversely, what you get from the love below is you get a lot of pop and rock themes, um, very inventive. Andre 3000 gets to use his vocals on here, and he wanted to do something like this. Of course, taking a lot of influences from stuff like Prince from Jimi Hendrix, uh, very inventive and very innovative. So the, I put down here for pros, duality gives variety. And I think that's one of the strengths of the album. Um, the production on here is innovative on both the speaker box and the love below. I think the contrast is good, though. And uh, you've always been able to see a noticeable difference between Andre and also through uh, Big Boy. But it's no more evident here than anywhere else. Uh, I think that both of them got a chance to explore their artistry. And they really took a foothold of the production on these albums. Because this was the first Outcast album that did not feature any production by Organized Noise. 
And that was a big part as well in the Art of Organized Noise documentary that you saw where uh, Rico was visibly upset that the fact that Outkast said that they did not want them involved in that album. But they got a chance to explore their artistry by taking on more of the production. And you could see it on both sides, basically what both of them were going for in each one of those albums. And then commercially, the success was amazing. Any one of those songs that I mentioned were at least a single or a B-side on any one of those albums. And uh, of course, when they went to the Grammys a few years later, you saw exactly what had happened. There was... Uh, Outkast winning rap album of the year, also winning uh, the album of the year, which was something that had never been done before. And they closed out the Grammys and they walked away with quite a bit of hardware that night. That album has sold over 11 million albums since then. And I remember that time I was in undergrad. I can remember how incredible a record that it was. Now, as far as any cons are concerned, I personally thought that the album could have been just one disc and I would have loved to have seen more collaboration between the two of them. There's only one song on both of the albums where both of them are featured on and that's uh, actually Roses. And everybody remembers that Roses album because that video, because it was sort of like a hip hop version of West Side Story and it was hilarious, but still an incredible piece of work. And I love the fact that, that both of them were able to ex explore their artistry fully, fully with so much creative control. Now, as far as round five is concerned, I'm going to have to give this to, unfortunately, I'm going to have to give this to Outkast and um, because the love movement had the ability to be such a great album, but you could tell that things were rushed. The cohesion wasn't there and it was near the end, but nonetheless, speaker box love below a incredible album. And I'm going to give the advantage to Outkast in a 10-8 round. That's a 10-8 round. So now Outkast is up by one point on the total scorecard due to this 10-8 round. And that moves us into our very last round, round number six. Of course, we're still live on Podbean Live. Make sure you are checking us out there and going into the online portal there. You can either call in or also uh, do get, get in the live chat and check us out. And we'd love to be able to hear from you to see what you think about my list as far as the tail of the tape and to see what your personal tail of the tape looks like. We're also live on Facebook and also on IG. So please come up there, come check us out, say hi. And uh, we love to see the interaction from everybody. Thank you for everyone for joining. On the Saturday afternoon while we're trying to get through this COVID-19 outbreak, we appreciate y'all for taking the time. So, so, so far we have round five. And just to recap with everyone where we've been, uh, we'll give a recap heading into the final round, how everything has turned out. So round number one, and um, actually, we actually have a call in. So we're going to actually take this call. Give me one second. Hello, you're on the uh, Alt podcast caller. Who is this? Where you calling from? What's up, man? It's 12 Kyle. What's going on? Yo, Kyle, what's going on, brother? How are you, man? Chilling, man. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. So we're doing our tail of the tape. Um, I don't know if you've been listening, how long you've been listening so far, but we've been through five rounds already. And um, so far, I was just going to go through a, uh, a, a recap. I uh, have round one, which was uh, people don't think the travels and their passive rhythms versus Southern Playalistic. I gave that to Outcast. That was a 10-9 round. Round two, low end theory versus AT aliens. I gave that to Tribe. That was a 10-8 round. Round three, 
I gave that to Midnight Marauders. Um, no, Midnight Marauders and Aquemni. I actually gave that round a push because I could not distinguish which 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 one I thought was better. I mean, honestly, because right. um, I think those are to me. I think those are two best al- um, albums in those discographies. Um, round four for Beats, Rhymes, and Life is Stanconi. I gave the Outcast ten nine, and the last one I just did around five, the Love Movement versus the Speaker Box, Love Below. I gave to Outcast in a 10-8 round. So this leads us all the way up to the last round, which is round number six, man. But just wanted to get your feedback as far as what you think in regards to the uh, the tail of the tape and how you would score each one of them since you're on right now. Well, first of all, I want to uh, thank you for doing this, but I also want to fight you for doing this too. <laughs> because, oh, do this is, because this is like, it's like pulling hairs, man, to be honest. These are, um, first of all, two incredible artists, obviously. Um, yeah. two great groups. I mean, phenomenal hip hop acts. So that, I mean, that goes without saying, but, yeah. um, it, for me, it's like splitting hairs really. And I, I've been listening since the start and I actually agree with you. I think it's probably, but it's, it's really close for each of these albums for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I would personally, uh, if someone said that tribe's first album was better than Outkast's first album, I would, you know, I, I you get no argument from me, but that one, Southern Playlist and Cadillac Music, I hold it in high regard because that album came out right around, the time that that album came out, I was probably around the same age as, as Andre and Big Boy, or might have been maybe years or older. So okay. I, it, it hit differently. I was in college at the time, yeah. and um, I was just about to graduate and then move to Atlanta. So, uh, and, you know, being, living here in Atlanta, it just... Outcast means something different to us yeah. because they're, you know, they are, they are hip hop to us. Like they, they set the standard. They put the South on the map. Um, the whole night, everything that you described. Uh, yeah. Second albums, <sighs> low end theory, man. It's hard to beat low end theory. I don't care what you throw out <laughs> because yeah. low end theory is just that cold. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I will agree with you that both third albums, I mean, those are two of my all-time favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. You, know, you, you, you it, it's really literally like flipping a coin. Um, it is. So, and those are my two favorite albums from both, you know, for both camps. Mine um, too. When you get into the fourth album, I think you touched on something that's very key: is that, you know, while the production side with the Uma was incredible as far as Tribe goes, we all know for those of us that saw the documentary. Um, you know, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, that Tribe was going in separate directions as far as, you know, what their philosophy was, you know, kind of infighting between Tip and, and Fife. And yeah. so, um, you know, they were just, they, and then you threw consequence in there. And I think that was the thing, like, that really threw me off was that there was no, there really wasn't a long rollout for this album. So when Beats, Rhymes, and Life came out, we just heard consequence rapping on it. We were like, okay, well, where the hell's Fife? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, you you mentioned like the difference between on Tribe's first album where it sounded like like it was more Q-tip than anything else, which it was. Yeah. But then the first single that we got off of uh, Low End Theory was Bugging Out, and so when we yeah. heard that, we was like, "Whoa, Fife is here!" It's like, and so <laughs> yeah, Fife that was really, Fife's arrival right there. Exactly, exactly. So we really, you know, we really got a lot of Fife on Low End and and Midnight Marauders, obviously, and then um, you know, just to have that album. Beast Rhymes in Life, Fife really wasn't on. I think Consequence was on, I want to say, six or seven tracks, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. again, he wasn't, we knew who he was per se, but he, he was, we knew he was Q-Tip's cousin, but he really wasn't introduced. I mean, he almost came in like another member of the group. And yeah. so, you know, and, and Stankonia, like you said, sonically, man, I mean, Stankonia is, you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> that album, which actually turns 20 this year, is mind boggling. Yeah. They, it's so futuristic in its sound. So yeah. I think they were going in different directions. The love, the love below production again with Jay Dilla, crazy production, but Tribe had mailed it in. I mean, if we're gonna be yeah. honest, you know, they had mailed it they in. Did so, mail it's it just, in. so it was it just is. they were they, I think they were just trying to figure out, you know, finalize their contractual agreements or whatever like that. And yeah. um, so yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's it's tough. I, I both of these groups, I think no matter where you rank them or where you list them, it just for me, it just depends on the time of day. I, yeah. I, I, you, I like for me, if I'm listening to low end, I'll listen to low end and I'll listen to Midnight Marauders right behind it. If I listen to ATLNs, I'll listen to, uh, you know, Equimini right behind it. So it's yeah. just, it's just really just your, 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 like I said, it's like splitting hairs, man. But this, this is a great conversation, man. And I think, uh, yeah. you know, true hip hop heads will, you know, they'll be on either side of it, but they'll, they'll be able to appreciate and understand, you know, the perspective. Exactly. And to me, I mentioned anything, one thing, and uh, to me, the love movement was sort of like watching Muhammad Ali fight Larry Holmes because yeah. you saw the shell of this great performer, you mm-hmm. know, and it was just like, dude, what are you, what are y'all doing, man? You know, so it, it, to me in that last round and because to me, Speaker Box Love Below was such an innovative album in regards to having in regards to solo albums, really, really mm-hmm. in a double disc. And the themes that they were able to explore in their artistry, that matchup to me, I had to give Outkast a 10-8 round. But like you said, oh, no man, question. you could flip the coin on a lot of these things, and we'll we'll see exactly how close we get to this final round. And for those of you who are on IG Live and Facebook Live, in the Podbean Live app, I have, the tw- uh, have 12 Kyle from the 12 Kyle Podcast. We just did an awesome uh, album review of Comments Like Water for Chocolate. It, uh, it's on uh, Spotify, also on uh, Apple Podcasts, um, anywhere you can get podcasts, you can do it. It's 12 Cal Podcast. Make sure you go check it out. Um, it's dopeness for anybody who loves common, who loves hip hop, really, man, to check out that album review. We had a great time. Um, no doubt. But, Cal, man, I appreciate you for coming on. Um, we're going to get into this last round. So um, if you want to stick around, that's fine. Um, but I'm going to get into this last tale of the tape. Oh, no doubt. I'll hang up, but I'll I'll still be listening, though. Cool. No doubt, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, man. No problem. Anytime. All right. Cool. So grateful to Kyle to come on to join us. So we're getting into round number six now. We crossed the line at 3.55 p.m. Round number six for a tribe called Quest. We got it from here. Thank you for your service. And Idlewild by Outkast, both of their solo albums, final, excuse me, both of their final albums and their discographies. Um, Outkast has not come out with any new material since Idlewild and um, doesn't look like they're going to come out with any more material now. And we got it from here. Thank you for your services. Tribe's final album. There was the last uh, album they had on their contractual obligation. And tragically enough, three years ago, almost or four years ago, uh, Fife Dog passed away due to complications from diabetes. And this really was a release and something that they were doing in progress and did it as a tribute to Fife. And um, I always say this to people, man, Q-Tip may be the face of the face and the driving engine of a tribe called Quest because he handles so much of the production 
and people associate Tribe Called Quest with him. But for the heads, you know, out there, man, no disrespect to Tip, because Tip is one of the one of the best out there and one of the best overall hip hop artists in regards to production, lyricism, and um, and a great voice. But Five Dog was the heart and soul of Tribe Called Quest, man. Everybody who knows that knows that, man. So, uh, got to definitely give props for that. But round number six, uh, we got it from here versus Idlewild. Release dates for each one of them for we got it from here, November eleventh, two thousand and sixteen. Uh, the runtime of 60 minutes and 20 seconds for Out of Wild. It was released August 22nd, 2006. And had a runtime of 77 minutes and 52 seconds. Standout tracks on each one of the albums for uh, We Got It From Here. Thank you for your service. This Generation, Melatonin, Black Spasmodic, The Killing Season, Mobius, Moving Backwards, and Conrad Tokyo. Now, the pros for this album, I was blown away when I heard it because to me, I was wondering what took so long for another Tribe album. And I know that some uh, bridges that were burned in regards to uh, A Tribe Called Quest, particularly to Q-Tip and Fife Dog, were sort of mended in regards to them wanting to get this album done. They got back in the studio and got to work. But it was a mixture of themes, new themes and old themes. You heard a lot of different things on here. Um, the track We the People was an obvious protest of a lot of the things with uh 45's presidency or ca- campaign, and um, same thing with the Donald as well. Uh, they talked about politics, they talked about the uh, the current state of the rap game, and great guest spots. You see great guest spots on here from Buster Rhymes, also guest spot from Anderson Pack, from Kendrick Lamar, from Talib Kweli. It was Awesome, an awesome, awesome uh, offering for uh, for Tribe Called Quest and a great way for them to close out their catalog. Now, some of the cons that I have for this is that for me, it took a little long for it to pick up. and um, But it did get going. Once it got going, things got going and things moved along well. Um, and then, of course, the album itself took too long. It took, <laughs> this was 18 years between the love movement to We Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service. But I'm glad that it came when it came, and I'm glad that they were able to get Fife in the studio to do some work because, you know, we all loved Fife Dog. All of us did. And I'm glad that they got this done, and this is the Sixth Tribe album in the can. And um, that's it. You know, it's uh, it was something that needed to be done, and I'm, and I'm glad that it was able to um, – we're able to proceed. But Idlewild, the standout tracks from that, you know, The Mighty O – Morris Brown, Idlewild Blue, Hollywood Divorce, The Train, and In Your Dreams. And the pros for that for me is that this played on the theme of the actual Idlewild movie. Um, the movie that came out as well in 2006 that was started by, um, that was uh, done by starring Andre and Big Boy as well. Now, it was good to have Outcast back together on an album, but to me, Sort of like the love movement, this felt uneven and it felt forced at times. So I don't know. Like I thought that the quality on this was pretty good and you had some pretty good songs on here, but it felt like an uneven match. And I felt like, again, they continued to be able to evolve from album to album. But I just felt like sort of like the way like the love movement that it sort of mailed it in. I felt like some of this was sort of mailed in as well. And, uh, to me, this is the most lackluster of all the albums. It is. 
I mean, I think it's a good piece of work, but nah, it's to me, this is the most lackluster outcast album that I've in their discography in their catalog. Now, putting the two of these up together against each other in regards to head to head. I have to give this last advantage to Tribe Call Quest. What we got it from here. Thank you for your service. And I've actually scored this round a 10-8 round. Yes, I've scored this a 10-8 round. Uh, now, we talk about classics are concerned. For me, I think it's a little bit early for us to consider whether or not this is a classic as far as Tribe's album. It just came out not even three and a half years ago. But to me, um, I think it's it has the potential to be so. But when you match these albums up against each other, I definitely prefer this one, and I prefer it by a little bit of a bigger margin than probably somebody else would. So. There we stand, and um, uh, just to be able to recap as well, uh, we're going to go through each one of the rounds. Uh, round number one, we gave to Tribe over pe- People, inst- uh, excuse me, we gave to Outcast over Tribe, 10-9. That was People's Instinctive tra- Travels and Their Passive Rhythms, so then Playlistic. Round two, we gave to the Low End Theory over AT Aliens in a 10-8 round. Round three is a push between Midnight Marauders and Equemini. Round number four, Beats, Rhymes, and Life versus Stanconia. We gave to Stanconia 10-9. Round number five, The Love Movement versus The Speaker Box, Love Below. We gave to Outcast 10-8. And round number six, we got it from here. Thank you for your service versus Idlewild. We gave to uh, Tribe in a 10-8 round. So the fight has ended. Everybody's in the ring. They're looking at each other. The f- judges are tallying their score. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a draw. <laughs> so I know that that's anticlimactic, right? That this has turned out to be a draw, 56-56 total. I tallied up the scores, and that's what I got. I got 56-56 total between Tribe and Outcast. But we can't have this end in a tie. This is tail of the tape. We have to have a winner, right? So we have a tiebreaker. Of course, we have a tiebreaker. So my tiebreaker, of course, is the amount of classics in each one of their catalogs. That's the tiebreaker. Now, this could be a debate as well. I'm pretty sure some people out there will say some different things and will also... Uh, you know, debate this, but the tiebreaker for me is how many classics do they have in their catalogs? For Outcast, in my opinion, I have their count at five. Five classics, for those of you who are out there, five classics. Each of their first five albums, in my opinion, are classics. And I think that the speaker box Love Below has reached to the point now where it's 17 years in, it'll be this fall where we can now consider that a classic because it is endured and has stood the test of time, even though it is two solo albums and not a collaborative effort. I do think you have to give that project as a whole as a classic. So in my opinion, all five of these of Outkast's first albums are classics. Now they could have maybe gone six for six if they'd have been focused, but uh, Idlewild to me is not it's not a classic I think it's a good album but I don't think it's a classic at all for Tribe I only have three classics down in their catalog and that's their first three albums 
uh, I think, as I said, I think it's a little bit too close to call for we got it from here. Thank you for your service. Because I think it's only it's only been God, it's only been four years. And and I think that you need, as I state in the premise of my show, is to make sure that you give a classic at least 20 years time to breathe to see whether it stands the test of time, truly. So being as it says, the winner of this first tale of the tape with a tiebreaker is Outcast over a tribe called Quest 57 to 56. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So Outcast wins 57 to 56 to me. And my conclusion is this. It was a close battle. In my opinion, I think that Tribe has actually the first two, first, the two best albums in their combined catalog between Tribe and Outcast. Um, I think that Midnight Marauders and the Low End Theory are the two. If you put both of their catalogs together, I think if you're looking at give me the best albums in this catalog and both of their catalogs, to me, those are one and two. But I think Outcast has great consistency. They had the ability to evolve from album to album without any one of their previous albums sounding like the predecessor. So to me, I think had Tribe kept up the momentum and the chemistry. I think they would have been the clear winner, but Outcast outpaces tribes in the amount of classics and the consistency that they had over the better part of a 10 year period. And to me, within 10 years, they put out five classics and that is amazing consistency and speaks to uh, their, their productivity as well as the group. So that's our first tale of the tape. Again, the winner is Outcast by Slim Margin. 57 to 56 over Tribe Called Quest. But if you listen to both of these catalogs, to me, for my dollar, I would have to say that these two groups have the best quality in their catalogs out of any rap group from first album to last album. Um, I had one of my followers from Twitter tell me that they will probably put Public Enemy up there. Now, Public Enemy from album two to album four had a great run. Um, from 80, from It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back until their fourth album, which is a amazing run. But the rest of their out their catalog as they move later on in their careers, not that great. So for me, for my dollar, I think these two have the best quality catalogs out of any of out of all hip hop groups. And I'd be willing to hear some debate about that, because why not? So there we have it. Tail of the tape on this live broadcast here for the Vault Classic Music Reviews. So Outcast went in by a very, very slim margin. Thank you all, of course, for joining us today and um, and for checking us in. And if you, if you want to, you know, chime in and tell us what it is, what you think about the, uh, the, the, the rankings and the tail of the tape, tell me who it is that you think would win and give me your scoring. Just to make sure that you guys are aware, you can follow us, of course, on social media. Those of you who are on IG Live, you see us at the Vault CMR Podcast. My personal IG following or IG handle is at its lesson. You can also catch us at I at I V E Creative. I that's at I V I V E C R E eight. I V E C R E eight Creative. 
who of course is the company, my company that publishes this podcast. And on Facebook and YouTube, you can find us on the Vault Classic Music Reviews. Um, search us there. You can find us. Make sure you follow us and like the pages and also follow the fan pages as well. On Twitter, which is probably where I'm most active, you can catch us on at Vault Classic. That's at Vault Classic. So thank you again for everyone for joining and make sure you follow us on social media. Give us your feedback. Let us know who you think won and uh, we'll go from there. So um, thanks everyone for joining us here today on the vault podcast. Um, Thank you to everybody out there. Please stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, We'll be back with more content, more classic album reviews as well. So stay healthy, stay safe, stay inside. Do not go out if you don't have to. And uh, enjoy the rest of your Saturday afternoon, everyone. We appreciate everybody and uh, stay safe out there and continue to keep those headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And of course, as I always close, I like to say that always motivate, elevate and innovate. Dreams are the basis for creation. You were never destined to stay stationary in this life. And on this note, I'm out and we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.